while your day is winding down. They're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Barrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day. From local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard. To listen. And where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Good evening. Welcome back to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus Farrell. On the line with us is Chris McCarthy. Hey, Chris. Hey, Marcus. A great interview with um, the representative from the South End. I appreciated that. Yeah, it was good. I thought it was really good. I like when Tony comes in. Looking forward to more conversations with him and the delegation. And, and I was hoping he was going to announce he was running for mayor after that litany of accomplishments for the city. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, I, I actually have... Um, an interesting thought on that, um, and I think we can get into it because it, it kind of spins into the conversation that we we will really the primary topic of our conversation right now, which is the pending resignation of Rachel Rollins, which I believe will be Friday uh, yeah. amid um, a series of uh, what's been identified in a report of unethical behavior. And so... I wonder, since there's a U.S. attorney job opening in Massachusetts, is this, is this, would would Mayor John Mitchell be a candidate for U.S. attorney? Look, you don't get to select whether you're a candidate, but I would say that he's got to be on the short list at the White House, um, unless they're doing, um, unless the search category is narrowed down. Yeah, uh, so much already that John would be by genetics excluded. Um, otherwise, he is, I would say, got to be on the short list. Has to be. Yeah, um, I, I, I think so. I mean, just being an elected, a longtime elected official in Massachusetts, being a, you know, being a mayor and being a former uh, assistant U.S. attorney, having that experience in the Justice Department and in that specific office. It seems like it's a it's a it's a pretty good fit. Well, also, given the scandals that Rachel Rowan is accused of, and and currently really not denying, um, you need a candidate who you can trust, mm-hmm. who's ethically clean, who's got years in the public eye without any scandals, and John Mitchell, all the, all other credentials that you listed aside, is a pretty very clean guy you yeah know, quote joe biden uh, about president obama mm-hmm. I mean, he's a, he, you know i mean he is not he's got no scandal yeah he really he's got good judgment i mean look what rachel Rollins is accused of and not denying is pretty outrageous it's not policy markets right right i mean you you can disagree with Rachel Rollins as I did and have and the U.S. Senators did on policy matters. Right. These are not policy matters. Well, that's the thing. I, you know, here's my... So Rachel Rollins, for, for me at least and for people who, who think, you know, approach, you know, sort of prosecutorial philosophy the way I do and a way a lot of people that have worked, the jobs I've worked have, uh, do. Um, the thing is, is that 
with 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 Roll, um with Rollins is that she she really on a national stage trailblazed I think that progressive prosecutor role um in Boston and then you know uh took that platform to the US attorney's office right her 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 trailblazing of that platform brought her to the US attorney's office right she was just some other run of the mill district attorney with you know with uh, in Suffolk County which is a huge job don't get me wrong right no disrespect to Kevin Hayden but if she was just some you know i think boilerplate you uh, district attorney Why would then... you respect him Rachel Rollins didn't you saw what she wrote about him <laughs> yeah right well that that yeah so so we can get into it i mean she okay. she um but what I, but but I, I think the the yeah that's a good point. But what, what I think that is is I think upsetting for for me in particular because I supported her on a policy basis is that this behavior, this behavior that she's been accused of in this report, uh, this unethical behavior, sort of jeopardizes that platform. It allows people like Tom Cotton and Tim Cruz, who were harshly harshly critical of her on policy grounds. To then, you know, use that as a way to say, oh, look, I'm right. This type of, you know, these are the type of people that don't want, you know, that want, you know, that don't. Uh, these are the type of people uh, that are running, a, uh, you know, running afoul of law and order, and, you know, what have you. Um, and so I think she's severely jeopard. I think she's severely jeopardized that and, and undermined it with this, with the, with, the, with what's been um, delineated in this report. You know, Marcus, um, the um, I think you're right on the policy grounds. The, um, even if I think you're incorrect, you understand what I mean. The, um, but Tom Cotton and, and um, the senator from Texas, um, he, both of them pointed out her personal behavior, the traffic lights, uh, you know, using the sirens at, at the shopping center, things like that that Howie Carr has covered extensively, um, were important issues and possibly indicated she should not be trusted. So mm-hmm. This was brought up in the nomination process. It's just so sad um, that. Well, the thing right. that happened in the yeah, where they she right. she put on siren lights right at the Dedham Mall. Was it the Dedham Mall during Christmas time? She put on siren uh, right, lights oh, and yeah. identified herself as a law enforcement official, right? And um, and she. Uh, and then she, you know, someone came to her house to, a reporter came to her house to ask her about it as she was walking in the door. And she made this sort of grandstanding effort like, wow, you came to my house. My kids are here. You're putting them in danger. As right. if her, as if, if that puts her, her kids in danger, then she put her kids in danger by running because you know, we all know that as an elected official, your public address is public record, right? So on every set of nomination papers. Yeah. People have to, people can read it right under your name when you vote, when they vote. When they vote or vote against you. Yeah. yeah. So, so, uh, I, yeah, I, you know, the, one of the reasons I, Listen, like I said, I, I strongly supported Rollins on on policy grounds, and so and, and when she she did something when she, while she was while she was DA, and I believe this was around around the time of COVID, while she was DA, she had come out against attorneys that work for or uh, work uh, or receive um, you know work for uh, CPCS or that are court appointed that are private practice attorneys that do CPCS work which is the committee for public counsel services so basically public defenders court appointed attorneys right that that do that provide free at the point of service like you guys like me that that that's right. a, a job i worked for 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 a few for a few years right um uh 
that do free at the point of service legal uh, representation for the client, for the defendant, but get paid a nominal amount, not a, not as much as you get for your private practice, a nominal amount from the state to do so, right? And you're actually capped. Um, you're actually capped at the amount of money you can get from CPCS to begin with, right? I think it's $82,000. Of course, you can, you can supplement that with private practice, which is what a lot of people did, which most people did, which is what you have to do actually to have a survivable. It's the only way to keep the system working. It's the only, yeah, it's the only, yeah, you have to, you have to supplement it with private practice, uh, cases as well. But, um, but the, the thing is, is that, she had said they're overwhelmingly privileged, right? And essentially accused them of exploiting um, clients, the clientele, which is overwhelmingly people of color, right? Exploiting their clients for some sort of profit, which again, in the grand scheme of things of being an attorney, and I know attorneys, you know, most attorneys make really good money, right? Um, uh, is, is I, I thought really inconsiderate and offensive considering this, we were the people, the def, the defense attorneys and the public offender, the defenders that supported her campaign and supported her platform for office. And then she turns around and and discredits us, says we're privileged, we exploit clients and all that, without even you know without. And then a few years later, she doesn't ever apologizes. And a few years later, she says she we we find out that she may have. Uh, had a government employee drive her and the first lady of the United States to some eyes wide shut party in in in, uh, in Andover, and I'm thinking, who here is privileged, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> you know. Look, I mean, Margaret, I think that, and this does not diminish the unethical accusations against her, but quite frankly, her behavior under the broad umbrella of extremely immature. Yeah. Um, because she obviously did not realize didn't take into account she's the personal appointee of the president of the united states at the highest level of justice in massachusetts yeah i mean it's an incredibly proud position right mm-hmm. think about all the people that have come through that office to include our own mayor john mitchell um she'd gotten the support of our two senators Got the support of the former governor Bill Wells, another Bill Wells, another Bill Wells gift for the Commonwealth. Um, <laughs> Rachel Rollins. Um, so, and actually, what you the extraordinary height to the legal profession, market. and to, to, to throw it all away well, for a pair of Celtics. And we <laughs> exactly we talked about this for um, we talked about this um, actually uh, we've talked about this uh, a number of times right how the U.S. Attorney's Office is such a launch pad for political for a higher office you look at Sheldon Whitehouse who was the U.S. Attorney in Rhode Island right yep. Mayor Mayor John Mitchell um, was a U.S. Attorney Rudy Giuliani Chris Christie uh, Bill Weld himself. Um, and I want to read you this, uh, there's a, you know, there's countless others we could name, but, uh, Jeff Sessions. Um, but, uh, I want to read you this quote that's in that Boston Globe article today. And it says exactly what you said, basically. Dick Durbin, who's the chair of the Judiciary Committee in the Senate, longtime senator from, from Illinois, said, the president trusted her, the Senate trusted her, and if these charges turn out to be valid, she really disappointed us. Yep. Marcus. Let's remember how this went down, because we, we talked about it on the air. This went down to Vice President Kamala Harris having to go down to the Senate floor and break the tie yeah. to, to get her this appointment. Extraordinarily unique situation, because the Republicans predicted this type of stuff. And again, 
This is Rachel Rollins' own making here. Mm-hmm. It's not a policy issue. Um, if you have these allegations, turn out to be true, obviously. Um, they they called a floor vote, which is rarely done. Yeah, forced every Democrat to come to the on floor, the record. Yep, including the vice president to cast the tie-breaking vote. As Dick Durbin said it so eloquently, we trusted her. And if this well, is true. We're really disappointed. Well, and that's important. Disappointed. And that's the point. I think that's the point that that's worth bringing up is that uh, they had to do a floor vote, right? And Kamala Harris had to go down, had to drive down from one naval observatory to the Senate and and cast that tie-breaking vote. But most U.S. attorney nominations are typically non-controversial and are done by voice vote, which means you basically people just say I and it goes through. It's it's for all intents and purposes unanimous, right? And she had a, her her her. And I think it was a lot of it was policy based, but you know they did bring up the the situation at the Dedham Mall and all of that. A lot, but um, yeah, it, it, it's 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 really it's it, it it puts the Democrats. I think puts a lot of people who who have fought hard for the the policies that really she trailblazed, and I, you got to give her credit for that. Um, in a in a in a precarious position with all that stuff, and I I, I am I, I'm immensely disappointed by it. Um, because now every time you bring it up, even if you bring up the lower crime rate in Boston and all, and all of that, you're going to be like, yeah, well, you know, she got free Celtics tickets and this stuff with the, the Kevin. Well, well, let's remember, not just free Celtics tickets, because she took a pair of tickets from disprivileged children. Yeah. Underprivileged children who were supposed to get those tickets. She and her, and her colleague or someone in, the, in her office or a friend used a pair of tickets that were designed for at-risk youth. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not just that the tickets were free. It's that they were supposed to go to underprivileged children, and she put them in her pocket. Yeah. And that's just really grimy, despicable behavior. Marcus, when I was growing up, my parents could afford to take me to sporting events. We didn't go to a lot of them, but we went to them. Mm-hmm. These are children who, if, if they have parents, in all likelihood, could never go to a Celtics game. And a pair of kids did not, two kids did not go to a game so she could use them. I mean, that's really, really atrocious behavior yeah it is it's it's too bad but what i wanted to uh, actually uh <laughs> it's, it's too bad it is it's, it's too bad it's criminal it's so well it is a uh, they do say this some of this behavior i think particularly driving with jill biden and using a government employee is a violation of the hatch act we always get we always we always talk about the hatch act a lot right. and uh essentially chris now we get one dude use an example now we, now we can talk about it. People are like, what are the hatch, what's the Hatch Act? And the, yeah. Well, the, nerds, what's the, the Hatch Act is basically, it's something that like always just gets thrown around, right? Um, it's called the Rollins Act now, Mark. It's, it's the, exactly. the Hatch Act is, was that brought by, by Orrin Hatch? No, it was brought. It was brought up in 1939. Ah, could have still been brought up by Orrin Hatch. Hatch. Is only a freshman in college. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they could still have been brought up by Orrin Hatch. Uh, Orrin Hatch right. is the senator from Utah, guys. If, if you don't know, um, these are funny jokes to Chris and me, but maybe not to other people. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so, uh, so the Hatch Act was um, was ba- it's basically saying you can't use like official government funds for official government funds or resources for campaigning. Right. Is that more or less? Yeah. yeah. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so one the, the Kevin Hayden thing is, I think is interesting. Uh, she supported, uh, Ricardo Arroyo, uh, over Kevin Hayden. I think a lot of people did. And then, you know, they pulled his support after some things were revealed, um, 
uh, of uh, of yeah. Ricardo. Well, the guy had to, it, was, it was a typical campaign. But she didn't, she shouldn't have involved herself in it. Yeah, um, I, I mean, Kevin Hayden know. had some uh, leaks. You know, Kevin Hayden had some leaks that were he shouldn't have had that were beneficial to him as well, obviously. But absolutely. But um, but she should have just she should yeah, like you said, she shouldn't have involved herself in it. Um, Look, Mark, again, when I say immaturity, I'm not diminishing what she did or is accused of doing. But just when you think about it, you've been appointed by the president of the United States, one of like fifty some term. odd people, right, to yep. to get that appointment. Yeah. Yep, and you decide to put that all on the line to get involved in a local political election. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just immature. It's yeah. not an excuse. It's not a not a diminishing at all. But I'm just saying her mindset is beyond me to not say, hey, guys, look, I'm the U.S. attorney. Everyone knows you cannot get involved in politics. She said to Ricardo, God bless you, but I'll vote for you because I'm your, I'll be your constituent. Right. I can't get involved. Yeah, yeah. It's it's um, it, you know, what do you think the follow? Well, explain what she did because she leaked U.S. government documents. Yeah, she to undermine Hayden's reputation. Yeah, the she, she did. She yeah, she, uh, about an investigation that Kevin Hayden. Um, some people would look at and say that he uh, basically cooked a an investigation on behalf of a law enforcement official who may have engaged in some. Uh, probably unethical behavior. Um, based on it was a MBTA. I think it was an was it a transit cop? I can't remember. Yes, it was. It, it was, was. A, yeah, it was a transit cop who had engaged off duty. Who had engaged in some, I think maybe unethical behavior. Um, some use of excessive force. Uh, in all of that. I mean, I think it was. A, I think it was possibly a civil rights violation. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not excusing that MBTA official. No, 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 no. But okay. Kevin Hayden may have, just based on the allegations, cooked that investigation. He also, they also uh, had like basically accused the defense attorney of. They accused the no, they accused either the defense attorney. I think they had accused the defense attorney for the cop of lying uh, about something uh, about the plea deal. And that's a serious allegation, obviously, because if you're lying on a public record as a as an attorney, you could lose your license to practice law. Um, it's actually, uh, and in fact, I wonder if Rachel Rollins, if this, if these, all of these allegations turn out, and Dick Durbin, the senator, and this isn't us saying this, this is the senator who's the chair of the Judiciary Committee, Dick Durbin, who's been in the Senate for, what, 30 years, is it maybe? It's been in for a long and time. A, and he's a Chicago Democrat. He's seen this stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, Dick Durbin has says, like, he basically said something to, to the effect that there's a likelihood that this is all true, right? There's a yeah. likelihood that this is all true. Um, so if this is all true, I think, and I don't want to get too... I don't want to get too doom casting, but it seems like I think that her law license would might be in jeopardy. So, Marcus, I'm glad you, you brought that up because I, I spoke with another attorney type earlier today who's been a prosecutor on the local level. And he said, look, there are serious questions about the law license. Not only for that, but because she apparently, and again, everything we're saying is subject to, you know, it, 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 it's, it's allegations at this point, but um, it's going to have a lot of free time. I don't want to sue me, but yeah. the, um, the law license is in question. She can't prosecute you, though. Because, what? She can't prosecute you, though. No, she can't. But <laughs> <laughs> the, um, 
the the um, the fact is that it appears she lied when questioned by federal investigators. Yeah. Um, it looks like the leaking of of, of uh, documents um, in violation of of the law uh, or the ethical code, which you guys are barred by as officers of the court. Yeah. Very serious stuff. And when you look at the fact that it involves both the Boston Globe and the Boston Herald, those lawyers are going to be the uh, the lawyers for those news organizations are going to try to keep the government from getting their people to testify. But if you've read the report, Mark says, "Have I?" It looks like Rachel Rollins was texting this information. Yeah. So the inf- so they have the test. Yeah. Right. Yikes. They don't need corroboration by the media. Yeah. They have the text messages. Right. Talk about again, Marcus, under the umbrella of really immature behavior. Well, well it seems I get like leaks all the time. It's not even it's 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 careless considering right. her position. Immature. Yeah, just just being an attorney um, and and probably and a prosecutor. And a prosecutor. He knows how investigations work. <laughs> yeah. He knows the, the, the yeah the culpability of text messages. I mean, and yet she sent them freely because she assumed. No one would look. I'm the top prosecutor. Mm-hmm. I can do whatever I want. The arrogance. Um, I, I will say her, her attorney did say that this, and I think it's worth it because uh, we're, pre- we're being fairly hard on her, um, but she is the U.S. attorney who has to resign, so it's not like, oh, my God, you know, poor her. Um, but right. the central. Uh, stand fight. So Michael, my, my, yeah, Michael Brom, Bromwich, who's, who's, the, um, who's her attorney, says the. Two reports need to be put in context and said this. this the, I'm, I'm interested to, to see the context. The central truth is that Miss Rollins moved from being an elected official with virtually no restrictions on her activities to the highly regulated environment of the U.S. Attorney's Office. Most of the allegations amount to pr- minor process fouls. Okay, I don't know. The, well, the first the first part is like you remember. I bring this up a lot because it's so funny. But do you remember when Lincoln Chafee said, uh, give me a break, my dad just died when he voted to yeah. repeal Glass-Steagall, despite the fact that he was a United States senator at the time? Yeah. That's yeah. the similar vein. Like, oh, well, she's just got to get it acclimated to this new job and new environment. Like, okay, but it's a really important job, and so you, you better do that quickly. And you knew you were actually, not only that, you knew you were going to have it for months. It's not like, yeah. you know, this This wasn't no, like, like, you didn't just wake up one day. She had a hold on her nomination for months. She, read the ethics manual she didn't just wake up one day and there was a black SUV outside saying, we're taking you to the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office in, in right. Massachusetts. Right. You've been ordained, right? No, we're going to stop by Kinko's and get you your business card. Like, like, like when, like when Thomas Jefferson got back from France, he got to Monticello and he got a letter saying, hey, you're the Secretary of State, right? No, that's not what happened, no, right? She, no, she knew no. this. So I don't I don't really necessarily I don't necessarily think that that's um, I don't necessarily think that that's well, it's sat for an ethics briefing. Yeah, there's an orientation to this to this job, mm-hmm. and, and her attorney, who, who God bless him, you know, keep his keep his phone number on speed dial. Yeah. Um, is the former Inspector General, right? Well, I think ninety four to ninety seven. Yeah. So he under of the Justice Department. So mm-hmm. he knows that the the taking of tickets. From, from the Celtics. She's got 30 seats. And the reason I keep drawing this, it's something the rest of us can understand. I mean, they are expensive. They were supposed to go to 30 children. She asked for them. I, I think that was a nice gesture. It was when she took two of them and put them in her pocket that really everything started to break down. Two children didn't go to that game that night. 
No, the U.S. attorney could. And I believe she's pretty well paid. Yeah. So there's that piece. Also, when you're sitting down for an interview and you're a former federal or about to be former federal prosecutor and you sit down with investigators and you're a lawyer and you've been a prosecutor on the local level and they're asking you questions about your behavior with detailed questions, doesn't a bell go off that maybe it's time to not say anything, let right. alone try to mislead them? Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come yeah. on. They're asking you if you're at a fundraiser with the president's wife and they're from the same executive department yeah. that you're working for. You think they know the answer when your picture was on the front page of the paper. And, and so I wonder, does... Because there's there's more than just the Jill Biden, uh, you know, getting a government employee to drive her and Jill Biden to a uh, Jill Biden to a fundraiser. That in and of itself does seem a little bit de minimis, like uh, fairly innocuous. But no, I agree with you, Mark. You I know, think it's, that. it's the it, it actually the all these things individually. Um, I would say, you know, individually taken one by one, you just sort of look at it and you're like, oh, that's that's not good. But like, Not good. I don't know if she should but, resign over it. But like, all of them together. I mean, the, the the Kevin Hayden one, I think you know, in, in particular, I, I probably. But all of them together. Really all yeah. Yeah, that one was bad. Uh, despite the fact that again, I think Kevin Hayden did get some um, leaks from probably some unscrupulous government officials himself uh, that benefited his campaign. But it doesn't matter. You know, you you, you can only control. They're not the U.S. attorney. You can only control your behavior, right? So you can't control other people's behavior. So, um, yeah, so... Also, Marcus, I would say that the First Lady and her Secret Service details do not know the person driving the SUV as a government employee, that that's a government SUV. And there's certainly, you know, Joe Biden's not going to say, I'm not going in that vehicle because it violates the Hatch Act. When you, when you involve the President's <laughs> wife in your own stupidity, I mean, really, think about that. Yeah. That alone should have gotten her fired. Yeah. That's your boss, lady. Right. I mean, that's the president of the United States. To involve his wife in your foolishness is absolutely, again, immature. And like you said, Marcus, it, it is the culmination. But it's really bad behavior on top of bad behavior with no end in sight. Right. If they hadn't, if they hadn't slammed the brakes on her, God knows what she would have done, Right. Next, you would have been involved in a Winthrop Selectman's race or something. I mean, it's unbelievable. Um, so we're going to we yeah, get involved in the Selectman's race, right? Um, the smallest race in Suffolk County, the Winthrop Selectman board. <laughs> yeah, right. So, um, hey, uh, we got to take – are you holding for the break? We got to take a quick break. I'll hold for the break, yeah. yeah. Yes. Hey, welcome back. We're here with um, Chris McCarthy. So, Chris. Yes, sir. Is there anything else on this, the, the Rachel Rollins Well, I just would say that, Marcus, I, I don't want to diminish the fact that I think John Mitchell, our mayor of New Bedford, not that I want to see him leave, but would be a hell of a candidate. I think he would solve a lot of Joe Biden's problems. Um, it may be that the Democrats, um, that John Mitchell doesn't fit the profile, but John Mitchell comes in after all these years as the mayor and um, on the, under you know serious scrutiny. And there's not a nick in, his man, in the man's alloy. So I think that if, if they're looking for a calm, qualified, no-drama candidate, John Mitchell would be the man for the job. And he might even get some support 
from some of those uh, dem- some of those Republicans who are going to be playing I told you so, who will have to shut their mouth pretty quick with John Mitchell in front of them. But that may not be the may not be the president's priority. So, um, so Mayor Mitchell actually presented his budget to the city council today. Uh, it's a whole thing. He gets as there's so much pageantry in New Bedford. Um, when you think of the, uh, when you think of like the, how the state of the city goes and even the budget presentation where he gets escorted by two counselors out to the, the floor and presents the budget, right? And all that. I understand. He was going to have a Liberace perform, if you, uh, <laughs> thing show up, he cut out of the budget. Other than that, there was, he's going to add to the pageantry level. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, uh, I was thinking like the, uh, the, um, the, the the artificial smoke makers as he comes out of the as he comes into the door right from the antechamber just he was going to about climate change yeah right of course climate change so yeah. um, so the uh, he presented his budget today to the city council we haven't uh, you know I got a I got a press release from from Holly Huntoon I haven't obviously had a chance to read it yet being here but uh, but um, I wonder if and we'll have to look through it. If there's going to be any signals in that budget presentation that would, you know, show us whether or not he's going to run again. That's very interesting, Marcus. I would think that he's got to announce pretty soon what his intentions are. He doesn't have to do it, but I think it's only fair. If he's not going to run again, he's got to give enough time. He's got to live here after the election, I mm-hmm. assume. So... You'd like to think he would give enough time to have a competitive primary if he's not going to run. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that John, being a being a serious, civic-minded person, would do that. You know, so um, if he's not going to run, he's got to announce it pretty soon. I I would say, or forever um, have to buy his own drinks. You know what I mean? You, <laughs> you can't just you can't pull some shenanigans where you leave with barely any time and let some other well-formed campaign uh, that's, that's been working in the background just take over for you. That's no way he wants to leave, I, I wouldn't imagine. Right. So, yeah, I, I, I agree. It'll probably be something maybe sooner than later. Um, uh, so, uh, I mean, I wonder if, like, you know, part of it is too. I mean, when you when you present the budget, so much of it is already spoken for that there's yeah, so yeah, li- there's so little discretionary spending anyway. You can't really announce like big budget priorities. He did actually, and I I believe he did because the headline is the Mayor Mitchell urges for health care reform. This has become an annual tradition, um, part of the pageantry. I think he's asking the city council to try to opt in to the um, to the state law. Uh, for uh, was it section thirty-two or twenty-two, something like that? For that'd be a fun five-minute vote. Yeah, yeah. So basically, the no. Move yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. He, he just doesn't have the. He just doesn't have the. He just doesn't have the votes for it. No, he doesn't yeah. have the votes, and he doesn't have any candidates lined up to change yeah. the composition of the city council. No, he doesn't. Yeah. Um, so unless again, unless he now, this could be very interesting. Um. Don't get me wrong. I support um, the city council's position on this with, with the unions, but I get that if John wanted to do it, he understands the, the politics of it. He'd have to announce a slate of candidates running with him. And Marcus, you may have just uncovered that first clue um, that, that you um, so artfully laid out for us. 
that what is his intentions and are we going to see a political message here? And it, it may be that he's going to put that on the, on, the, on the agenda for the election and say, me and my slate of candidates are going to try to do some insurance reform to save the taxpayers' money. Yeah. I don't know. It's, Short it's, of that, Marcus, it's not going to happen. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, right? he'd have to. Yeah, he would have to run with a whole cadre of candidates, and then that's a that's a. I mean, you know, that's really putting all your eggs in one basket because if if you don't win enough of those seats, you're not getting anything done. No, no. Listen, <laughs> but why not at this point? Because he's already told the city council he yeah. can roll over. Yeah. Right. Yeah, with the ballot so questions, he's got, he's got nothing to lose. I mean, he just had a big win. If he goes forward, maybe he could. He's going to look. If John Mitchell runs again, there won't be anybody running against him, in my opinion. And he'll have a big win. Mm -hmm. And why not drag some candidates over the finish line? Maybe. Yeah, that's possible. Right. Yeah. Question becomes: Is there anybody out there that wants to run for city council? We they better show their show their flag soon. Yeah, from my experience, from when I've, it, it seems like the usual suspects, right? Um, yeah. You know, Leo's going to challenge Brad Markey in Ward 1. Obviously, that was a pretty tight race. So it makes sense for Leo to challenge. Votes. Yeah, 40 votes. And that's, yeah. He went to a recount. Yeah. Um, and so. Well, I will say this Leo, Leo has given up April. Looks like he's going to give up May. In other words, I don't know what these challenger candidates are doing. They're giving, they've given up. The month of April, about to give up the month of May. No radio ads, no no serious campaigning. What do they think? The voters are waiting around for them? I don't think so. Well, yeah, I'm not sure exactly what 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 level of campaigning uh, he or the other candidates have done um, yet. That's to not point. your fault, Marcus. <laughs> and uh, right. Uh, yeah, so I know Joe Lopes is running for Ward. We know Joe Lopes is running for Ward Five. He's looking to get back on the we council. We've seen the last couple times with the insurance folks. Do you recall? It's not fair for me to ask you on the air because I don't know either. I I'm pretty so. Here's my thing. I'm pretty sure I know how I voted, right? Okay, but I don't want to say it on air because I'm not a hundred percent. No, I, sure. no I, I don't either, Marcus. So that's fair. <laughs> you know, if like, he wants to text one of us, he can. Yeah. Um. So. Uh. But he's running an election, so. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he will. We know right. who the big dogs are in that race. Yeah. Let's face it. You need the union. So um, I got to take, uh, we're going to take another break, Chris. Are you holding? I'll hold through, Mark. Cool. 1420 WBSM, New Bedford's News Talk Station. Take South Coast tonight with you wherever you go. Stream Chris and Marcus on the WBSM app or get their podcast on the app at WBSM.com. Now, back to South Coast tonight. Welcome back. Um, so, Chris, what else is on your mind? So, Marcus, um, I do think that it'll be interesting to watch how the election starts to shake out mm -hmm. uh, here in the city. Um, look, I am hearing a lot of rumors. I don't really want to talk about them in the air about potential elections, contested elections, things of that nature. We could have a wild or a completely boring election. One day we'll, really um, we'll one day we'll just let it fly. We'll every everything we hear from everybody, we're just going to say it all in the air one day. <laughs> but but <laughs> not here. 
<laughs> Not at this time. Well. No, no. Um, so, so Chris. Yes. Um, yeah, I will. I'll, I'll be interested to see that. Um, I'm wondering, how, as the uh, presidential election sh- uh, shakes up, I wanted to ask you this because um, yep. you're you're unfortunately a Republican, and so Ron DeSantis looks like he's dead in the water. It looks like it's going to be Trump's nomination to lose. What's your sure. thoughts on that? Well. I would say I remember when we were going to have President Walker and President Bush. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Donald Trump, it's amazing. He has become absolutely Teflon because there's never been a president who's been so attacked by, by the opposition so consistently, so irresponsibly that the, the base of the Republican Party can't help but to say the man deserves another chance. And anybody who comes out and attacks Trump looks like they're just another one of the phony Democrats that made up the Russian conspiracy theory. It's all this other stuff that's gone on. Well, yeah, I mean, you think I mean, that, I mean, you not all of this is out of whole cloth, right? You think there's some things that to be concerned about? Well, look, I mean, I, I think that Donald Trump is his own best and worst enemy. No, I do not think that he had anything to do with the Russian government. I mean, I knew that from the beginning. Yeah, but it was a hoax. I mean, as I told you on the air all those years ago, when it was in, in 2000, when the election was happening, and after the election was over, when uh, you would come on with me, I said, and I knew you, be- you know, you believed. I don't blame you for believing it. You were told by the leaders of the Democrat Party to include the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee that Donald Trump was was a Russian agent. I knew because I studied the history of espionage and, and Russian interference in American elections, it could not possibly be true. He didn't even fit the candidate, the types of people that they that they brought under, into their wing. Well, you could tell it was all phony. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is, is that Donald Trump was illegitimately attacked. But look, as for the, the, the sexual assault charges, I don't know. I've been, to, I've been at the window of Bergdorf Goodman's, I was with my parents. I was probably 12 years old. My mother said, you're not going in that store. Anything you touch, we can't afford. My parents had lived in New York. But I've never been in Bergdorf Goodman. I don't believe that Donald Trump sexually assaulted a woman in, in a department store. I don't think that story's true. Um, but the jury obviously thought something was there. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I mean, they, yeah, they said they, 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 the, the preponderance of the uh, evidence standard, which means more likely than not, was uh, was met in that case. But what about the, um, the, the, I mean, the classified documents case, right? Oh, listen, the classified document is is completely, completely ridiculous on Trump's part. Yeah, because as I've said on the air repeatedly, the fact of the matter is. I understand the president has the power to declassify, but it doesn't mean that by him waving his hand over a document and declassifying it, that all the sources and methods disappear. So as I said to you as an example, we know the DGI, the Cuban intelligence, is the most sophisticated in the world, far superior to us. Um, they own South Florida, yeah. where Trump has Mar-a-Lago. The idea that they don't have an agent or assets within Mar-a-Lago is completely irresponsible on his part. And the fact that he had classified documents there um, that detail sources and methods to people who understand how to declassify them or, or roll them back, I should say, right? 
to read a document, unwind it, figure out source and methods. That's the last place you want to bring them into is the South Florida. Right. And for the president to do that, to me, is makes him unelectable. And I hate to say it because the reason I could say it is if he is the nominee, compare what, what Joe Biden did, it's about equal, really. To have classified documents in the home with a, with a really aggressive drug addict like in the form of his son who was doing business with overseas hostile nations, it about makes the two equal. But the point is, is that what Donald Trump did, what Joe Biden did with the classified documents is extraordinarily wrong. It's beyond immature, as I labeled our former U.S. attorney. Let's take one more break and finish out the hour strong. Yes, Welcome back to South Coast Night. Marcus Farrow, Chris McCarthy joining you this evening. So, um, Chris, we're closing out the we're closing out the nine o'clock hour. I wonder if there's anything locally that we should be keyed into. Obviously, we got the Prop Two and a Half vote that's coming up soon in Fairhaven. Um, we'll be talking about that. Uh, we'll have um, Selectman Leon Corey on. Uh, and uh, if there's any opposition people that want to, I don't know, speak up, I, I'd be, you know, looking to have them on as well. I, I haven't really, haven't really seen. There hasn't been a, a voice uh, for it. Just uh, mostly lawn signs. Um, but Chris, what do you think of this uh, Prop Two and a Half election? Oh, sorry, I forgot to air the call. That's all right. I would say that the school department screwed the pooch on this one. Um, I hope the firefighters get their override. The firefighters are priceless. We all need them. I think what the school department, how they explained why they need the money, um, pretty outrageous to me, really. So I, yeah. I, I, I have very, I have a lot of questions. I'm not sure what I'm going to do on the vote, really. Yeah, um, that's coming up in uh, that's coming up June fifth. Yes, so sir. we'll be we'll be having robust discussions about that. I think um, at moving forward, we have a lot of. We have a really good Fairhaven audience. We have a really good um, Fairhaven uh, audience here. And so um, uh, what TV shows are you watching? Well, of course, we're all watching the Celtics these days. Yeah. And um, you know what I've been I've, I've lately been watching are the um, – by the way, um, I noticed that Fox News is imitating us. They're playing some musical chairs over there. So that'll be interesting to see how that breaks out. I understand Sean Hanley's moving to Tucker Carlson's. Uh, Tucker Carlson's. Uh, He's their longest-standing uh, primetime personality, and it's their biggest slot. It makes sense. It's a safe. It's a safe move. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know. Sean Hanley might like it because he can get out a little earlier. Mm-hmm. The guy does work a long day on the radio, then goes to television. Yeah, uh, um, R- Rachel Maddow, uh, who kind of like half quit. Uh, had compared it to, um, at MSNBC, had compared it to uh, basically cram studying for a final exam every single day. <laughs> it, you know, I mean, it is, um, again, the, the guy, whether you agree with it or not, his performance, he, he, all, he never, <laughs> pardon the pun of my own, never phones it in. I mean, he is there, <laughs> right. you know, every night, and he, um, he, he always puts on a performance. Yeah. Whether you agree with him or not, I mean, the man... Does does not fool around. He, he's right in there, he's even to throwing audience the football. You know, I thought that was a nice little touch of Americana he developed. He, he threw he throws audiences footballs now. He throws the football. Oh, you haven't noticed that? You're not you're not a big fan. I don't watch. Yeah, he, throws, 
I got to tell you, if there's one show that I would watch at Sean uh, at, on Fox, Fox News, it would absolutely not be Sean Hannity. <laughs> it's the last one I'd watch. <laughs> I, I like Sean Hannity the least. Well, he's a good performer. I mean, yeah, there's, there's no there's, doubt about there's that. A lot to be picked up there. You can't. Um, sure, there is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure there is. Uh, so um, there's a lot. Well, to- the guy that the guy just shine a sneaker a lot of nights during the Trump administration, and he did it. You ever, you, you ever hear the, read the story about how he used to get phone calls from the president every night, and it sort of drew yeah. it sort of threw him into a state of like deep, deep emotional distress. Like he he got into he picked up a smoking habit because <laughs> the president well, would Trump could stress you out. <laughs> yeah, he'd have to he'd have to every night he'd sign off at ten. He'd have to every night get a call from from Donald Trump. <laughs> Just talking well, about can you the... imagine Trump's, <laughs> Trump's high energy? Yeah. The next morning, he's got to get up. He does his jujitsu training, and then then has to read all the papers for his afternoon radio show. I mean, can you imagine? You, Trump probably got up at three in the morning. Yes. Yeah. Well, Chris, we're nearing the end of the nine yeah. o'clock hour. Um, so we're just filling in for us Friday, uh, Thursday and Friday. Um, yeah. And we'll be uh, filling in in the nine to noon slot next week. Uh, yeah, so it should, it should be a lot of fun back on the days uh, filling in um, as the game of musical chairs. We'll, we'll, we'll decide when the music ends. Maybe we won't decide, but someone will decide. We won't decide. We don't decide. Right. I have no we idea. Don't yeah. <laughs> we, we don't decide. Yeah. We don't decide.